Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's put a line through the biggest stories of the week with the Mowers Week in Review. A lot of signing news this week. Let's mm. start off with Ezra Mam. He's locked in with the Broncos for five years. Five-year contract extension to the end of the 2029 season. The reports were around the $5 million over five years, probably slightly back-ended. So first few years, maybe around those eights, yep. 750s to eights. Thoughts on this, Scope? Yeah, great signing for both. Uh, an ascending player would have gone down as probably the Clive Churchill medalist if it wasn't for Nathan Cleary's heroics in the second half of the second half yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the grand final against yeah. Penrith. Uh, what this says is they see him not only as an option at six now, but he is the guy to move forward for this club in the halves once Adam Reynolds does indeed decide to call it quits. So you think he'll play halfback eventually. Captain coach to actual coach. Yeah. <laughs> as he is now. Shout out someone Cobbo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can see a world in which he transitions from six to seven. I, I've been mm. big on this for a while now. I don't think there's much of a difference. I, I think um, you want to lock down a premier player at either position, six or seven, and then that dictates how you sort out the other positions. So for instance, if, if I was to get uh, a Cam Munster or a or an Ezra Mam, for instance, I'd quite happily be uh, fine because you can't fit a fully stacked team. Like, you can't have Nathan Cleary really with Cam Munster in a perfect world. Mm. So if I was able to get a... Well, a, they've just found that by letting Jerome Luai go. They couldn't afford to keep both. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So if you do have a player that likes to play a little bit off the cuff, like a Jerome Luai, Ezra Mam, Cam Munster in the sixth jersey, then maybe you get more of a game-managing seven. Uh, a journeyman like... Uh, what the Panthers had in the past with a guy like Jack Cogger, Sean O'Sullivan, mm. those types of players where um, you pay your big, at least one of the big dogs in the halves and then you're able to solidify the other position. And then there, for instance, if you do get a Nathan Cleary, for instance, um, you might not be able to pay the money for a Jerome Luai after they've won three premierships together. Yeah. But then you've got to try to find a more discounted version in the sixth jersey uh, maybe a couple of, again, going to a journeyman. Tyson Gamble again stands out at, at, at the Knights, for instance. So, um, Interestingly, this leads us straight into the next story. Adam Reynolds set to take a pay cut to stay at the Broncos in 2025. So pretty much just echoing what you just said. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, Ezra Mam's locked up. Uh, at the start of the year, they also locked up the two biggest players. I, I would have been their highest priorities, which were... Payne Haas and Paddy Carrigan. Yep. Paddy Carrigan got done right at the start of the year and then Payne took a little bit longer to get done, but he is locked in as well now. The last big domino to fall, uh, who is on a, a club-friendly contract at the moment, Oh yeah, is the superstar at the back, wearing the one, Reese Walsh, uh, due to taking a pay cut to leave the Warriors and, and get back to his home club and be around family. He will be due for an upgrade at some point. Therefore, Adam Reynolds looked at it as... Look, I'm probably going to be part of this club now for a while. feel like he's settled in up there in Brisbane. Mm. Uh, he's got a really good opportunity with a, a good young core to do something special. 
What do you got... think a pay cut means for Adam Reynolds? What are we talking? Well, I dare say he would have been on somewhere between the 750 to 800, maybe even yeah. closer to a mil for the couple of years that he signed at the Broncos originally. I think maybe he drops down to a around the sixes, anywhere between five to seven, I think would be market value for Adam Reynolds at this point of his career, at that age, considering what he has around him. Good value. Uh, down to Melbourne, Harry Grant has been named as a captain this year for the Storm. He's the 15th player to captain the Storm. He takes over from Christian Welsh, who's still in the setup, and vice captains for Harry Grant are going to be Jerome Hughes and Cam Munster. Yeah, Harry's always looked the captain of the future. The interesting thing is now they've changed captaincies three years in a row, dating back to having, obviously, Cameron Smith, having the luxury of having a guy like Cameron Smith hold the captaincy for so long. Did it go so, Smith, Bromwich, Welsh? Yes, because the Bromwich brothers moved on. Um, Jesse would have been involved, obviously, in the leadership group for a long time there anyway. I, someone might correct us, will be able to might correct us on the uh, uh, text line, but... Yeah, I I think it went Cam Smith, Jesse, and maybe Kenny co-captains. Right. Does that ring a bell? I feel Not like sure. it, they were co-captains. I know. You both. Uh, Christian Welsh was a co-captain last year with someone else as well. Uh, so twenty no, 2019, 2020 was Cam Smith's last year as captain. Yeah, twenty one was Bromwich. Twenty one was definitely. Bromwich. Twenty. This is actually a lot harder than I thought it was. Yeah. Gonna be. yeah. That's all right. Anyway. It'll be thereabouts anyway. So it's but about my, fourth, my point is, fourth captain change in four years. Yeah, my point is that they haven't really been able to find that captain of the future, but now oh. I do think they have found him in Harry. Okay, 2022, yes, it was Jesse Bromwich. 23 games, Hughes and Welch did a game each. Last year was a similar thing. Welch, 24. Hughes, Munster, Josh King and Ryan Pappenhausen all captained a game. And, yeah. I think yeah. the interesting part so of it is... Smith, Bromwich, Welch and now Grant. Four captains, four years. Yep. And Harry, like I said, for anyone that's known or been around Harry, he's the obvious solution for this going forward. I don't mm. think it's going to change again now with Harry. He's uh, arguably the top hooker in the competition. He's still relatively young. He's, he'd be 23, 24, I'd say. Um, after doing the, the swap early on in his career to the Tigers, he's been a mainstay for the Melbourne Storm now for four years. Won a competition and will be there for at least another five years. So I don't think they'll be changing again after this. Yeah. One interesting thing to take out of it, though, Christian, Christian Welsh went from being a captain to completely uh, out of the out leadership, of the leadership group, group, which yeah. was, I know a lot of the Melbourne fans, I, I, was, I was watching the, uh, I was seeing the comments on their social media page and um, big shout out to Tui Kamakamitha, who he goes into the leadership group. Um, instead of Welsh. Instead of Welsh, which is... That's weird. This, again, when you start reading between the lines with how things could be playing out in the future, um, maybe Welsh is not a part of their long long-term plans moving yeah. forward. He's been around for a minute now. He's been a great servant to the club, but this is the way it works in the rugby league world. You start to get to a certain age and then those questions do arise uh, those for any Those big clubs are just ruthless, aren't they? Mate, they, uh, look, Melbourne have probably done a better job than any team in, in the past. Mm. And they've been granted that luxury because they've been so successful now for a long time. They've had the same coach. They've had the same captain referring to Cameron Smith being there for so long. They had a strong leadership group. They had the big three. So outside of the main guys, you didn't really hear too much noise about anyone else that was moved on. Even when you think about like how 
uh, or how prominent a guy like Greg Inglis was in the in, in his career. Uh, he had to move on from the yeah. Melbourne Storm. So uh, I found that interesting. But, yeah, I just I wanted to give Big Tui a shout-out. Uh, it says a lot about, you know, his journey and, and where he's come from. And I think, you know, I was watching him last year, actually, at the back end of the season uh, in the Pacific Cup playing for Fiji. And he's knocking up, you know, 70 to 80 minutes in the middle. And he's not he's not your typical tearaway front row. He's more of a grinder. grinder and, he, and he gets through his work. But... It says a lot about sort of where he's where he is in his career at the moment for the Melbourne Storm. So shout out to Tui. He's bodied up as well. Whenever you see that footage from Melbourne Storm training, he's so ripped. Uh, Michael Chemis is reporting that Joey Manu is set to leave the Roosters, likely to take up an offer with French Rugby. The reported numbers around the one point two million dollar mark for Joey Manu in French Rugby. Surely he gets that money in rugby league if he stays at another club. One point two. There's part of that report as well. I don't know if you've seen this missile. He, it sounds like he's refusing to play against the Sydney Roosters, so they don't have the cap for him. To can keep you him explain that to me? Well, what's happening at the Roosters? I've seen this happen so many times now. Yep. Where players go elsewhere rather than and Joseph Sawley has gone to rugby. He said, "If I ever come back, it'll be for the Roosters." Sonny Bill, who was a bulldog, let's not forget, said, "If I ever come back from rugby, it'll be to the Roosters." Am I missing something or no? Nah, it's again, it's one of those situations being inside the four walls. They are because people always go back to the brown paper bags and taking the Mickey out of the salary cap and that with the Roosters. But the way that that club's run internally and the relationships that you build with it, I obviously haven't played. I played under twenties at the Roosters. I wasn't, even though I played under twenties at the Roosters, I was not invited to be around and mix and mingle with the big dogs. But um, they must really have a way with the players. I know I've spoken to a few players now over the years. Very similar uh, mindset. And but for Joey Manu, he hasn't even played in another club. He doesn't know what the culture's like at other clubs. It could be just as good down the road at South Sydney. He doesn't even know. Players talk to each other. Players talk like... So you reckon all the, the players re- say that the Roosters is the gold standard? Not necessarily about the Roosters being the standard or being the team that you want to go to. Just about the noise and all the stuff that players don't want to deal with outside of playing rugby league. And I think Roosters do a really good job of managing not only on-field, but off-field. And because they've got Nick Politis, who basically, with a really strong group, run the club, there's clear direction from the top. And you've only got to look at all the... I can see you're thinking now, Miss Like You look at a few clubs where, at the top, there's so many dramas, Mm. even with teams that are quite successful in actually winning games, you still hear murmurs and unrest. And as a player, you just, if, you, if you're at the caliber of a guy like Joe Manu and you basically get to pick your club. But if he if he wanted to and got his management, he could go to all 17 clubs and go, this is my prize. And I dare say at more than half of them would go, yep, yeah, let's go. I think let's he's go. getting double-digit offers. For sure. I think yeah. a guy, a team like the Dragons, who Shane Flanagan, who hasn't been ashamed to come out and say it publicly, like they were going after him and, yeah. and they really wanted him. I think he could almost get more money and you're not uprooting your family and moving him to France where they don't even speak the same language. I, I just, it's, it's complete family upheaval purely not to play against your club. I don't, I don't understand it. You know, it's, it's admirable loyalty is what it is. But in, in this day and age, very rarely echoed by club to player. But you also got to take into consideration too, 
Kiwis are a lot different to Aussies. A lot of the Kiwis grow up playing rugby union in high school. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, you know, rugby union isn't going as great here in Australia at the moment uh, in the super rugby competition or at the national level. But the All Blacks have always been the mecca and will always be the team. And can, he no, go, can he play French rugby and then play for the All Blacks? I could see a world in which he transitions, yeah. If... if very similar to what Sonny did when Sonny went over uh, early on and he went over to Toulon, I believe, yep. uh, to begin with. But didn't and then he, he have to come back and play Super Rugby? Eventually, that would be the path, right? So you go over, you learn the game at that level, not as much pressure as the All Blacks' expectations and pressure that that would bring, um, being a part of the squad for the All Blacks. So he would go over, maybe potentially play 12, 18, 24 months max, and still have the opportunity to play in, like as the reports from Michael Shamus have mentioned, go have a stint in Jap- Japanese rugby, get get a little bit more cash there. Like, again, um, it might not be the prestige of playing in French rugby. It might be the dollars that are attracting him, yeah. the, the opportunities to do to play multiple um, competitions, and then also being able to get back and play, eventually work towards playing for the All Blacks. That could be something that... He could aspire to, to do, and, and this is maybe the start of the, the transition. So we all used to joke about how many fullbacks the Roosters had. Joey Manu, Suli, e, James Tedesco. By the end of next year, they could have Back none. to one. Back to well, one. Well, none. It would be sad. Teddy's only signed through to 2025. Yeah. It would be sad because it, very similar to, to Sonny, he's leaving in a as one of the premier players at his position in multiple positions, very similar to Sonny, actually. And when you lose the caliber of this player, it sucks for the game. But there's so much talent that's always coming through uh, the NRL ranks. And, um, yeah, I dare say, he. There were, I also read comments where uh, he's very different to what some other players have said, where they're going to go in and dip their toes in, into rugby. It sounded like if he, he was going to go over in. rugby, he's going to go up and have a crack and, and make the most of it and, and won't be looking at coming back to the rugby league, which would be a shame. One of our listeners says, could Uncle Nick make a play for Reese Walsh or Cobbo? Nothing's out of the question for the Roosters, right? 100%. If they were, they, I dare say they would have had maybe 750 to 800, similar to the Jerome Luai situation yeah. where they've got a certain pocket put away for him in the salary cap and then... If they're unable to sign him because he's just getting offers that are too big anywhere else, then then they start looking at other players to fill that. Uh, staying at the Roosters, this is what the Roosters do. Joey Manu says that, then they re-sign Billy Smith for three years. So, shoring up that centre position. Well, that's an indication, right, that this is pretty good mail and this is mm. probably going to happen with Joey Manu. Um, massive shout-out to Billy Smith. He's had a terrible time to begin his career in the NRL. Does he start in first grade for you in your 1-17 to this year? Yeah, we'll get to, I guess we'll uh, get to breaking down the roosters a little bit later on. Uh, I had him in my best possible back line. Yeah. And the player that missed out for me was a vet that's been around for a minute. So. Yeah, same as me. Same as me. Uh, Campbell Graham is set to miss the first half of the season due to a sternum injury. Question on this one, Scope. Uh this was an injury he was carrying all through the back half of last year and seemed to be struggling with. His numbers were way down at the back half of the year. He was struggling in defense. You could see him wincing in attack. Copped that flying knee from Marty to Power at one point That's off right. the kickoff. But why has this been left until now to get surgery on this injury? Sternums are very tricky. So it would have been a feel thing. I'd, I've had sternum in, in injuries before 
it does suck because, like you mentioned, Campbell Graham was arguably the centre of the competition in the first, in the first 10 half, weeks. Yeah. He was knocking on the door and it looked like he was going to play Origin with yep. Freddie. And then he had to withdraw from Origin 1 selection. And then it just sort of snowballed all the way down. And the, the tough thing with sternum injuries are you can play with them and you can play with the pain. Depends on the toughness of the player. And Campbell Graham's obviously uh, right at the top of that. Yeah. But he must have just re-aggravated it now during preseason. And that'd be super frustrating uh, because... Six months. What you start to do is when you have a sternum injury, you try to protect it. And yeah. You, and you, you don't even realize you're doing it, but you sort of change your technique, right? Because I wasn't... Similar to, to Campbell Graham, he's a taller guy. We don't very rarely get to bend our shoulders and use bend our bend our knees and use our shoulders. A lot of the time, we're relatively upright. Wait for the contact to come come into me. Sort of grab him, get good contact, sort of with the chest and shoulder together, and then try to wrestle, wrestle to the down. ground. Yeah. Uh, with Campbell Graham, he sort of defends like that, so he would have copped a fair few blows. Mm. And if you, then you start to change your tackle technique a little bit mm. more. You start to dip a little bit more. You've seen at the back end of the season, he missed probably tackles that he'd, yep. you'd never see him miss before. That's yep. because he's trying to account for it. Uh, so then you change your technique and you might not feel it for two to three weeks because, oh, it's holding up all righty. I haven't taken that real big blow to the sternum. Then all of a sudden you forget, you go back to your old tackle technique and then it gets you right Take in the hit. middle and you go, there it is. Does this solve – well, it takes away one headache – for Demetrio and that now he just goes Tass and Whiten in the sentence, right? Yeah, but it's you would rather the headache of having oh, Campbell yeah. Graham there and, and I, it looked like Isaiah so, Tass was probably going to be the odd man out. In yeah, so, so if it's Tass and Whiten in the centres, it would be Munro and who on the Alex wings? Johnson. Alex so, Johnson. Uh, Is that it's pretty small wingers? Yeah, so, so the reason I loved Jack Whiten coming over in particular, with Campbell Graham, a fully fit Campbell Graham, is Latrell's biggest strength, well, in a way, it's sort of a weakness compared to other fullbacks. He doesn't bring the ball back relatively um, hard like a Dylan Edwards. So Dylan mm. Edwards catch a ball, sprint straight back, try to get the Panthers on the front foot, try to get him within over the 50-meter line or as close as possible, and then they work their sets. Yeah. Latrell's best work is inside the 20 and 30. Yeah. That's where he'll slice you, dice you. But coming out of yardage, generally he relies on his wing. So that's why Tane Milne yeah. found himself on the right wing for Just South Sydney for so many eater. years. He's really good at those tough carries. He'll get in and do the tough runs that not a lot of players want to do. Even a guy like Alex Johnston, yeah, he's, he's a really good finisher, but he does a pretty good job of getting in there and not get taking a massive lick. Yeah. He, he uses his body position really well. So if you do have guys like Tyrone Munro and Alex Johnson there, yeah, they might not be uh, the Taruvas and Totos of the world where they will get in and Punch give you a really meters. solid yeah. play two and play three, but you've got really big centers to do that. So yes. that's where Jack White and Campbell Graham would have been yeah, Unreal. so there's quite Isaiah, a bit of uh, pressure on Isaiah Tass then. To, yeah, and he yeah. goes okay at it as he well. He goes okay, yeah. But there will be an added emphasis from... Jack White and Isaiah Tass to get back. It's specifically, if Tyrone Munro ends up playing, because he's not a big body either. All right, plenty of feedback on the text line. 0457736736 is our number. Or if you're over in New Zealand, double eight double three. Lots of reaction to the Roosters news. You're on the Moles Club with Scope and Missile. Plenty more after the break.